Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everyone. This is Baseball is Good. I am Corey Engelhart. I'm the host. Uh, this episode is number 31 that I have set out to to complete, and I'm excited for the show. Um, the guest I have tonight is someone I have not met in real life, but we've chatted a little bit here and there on on Twitter and online, and I'm excited to chat about um, He's somebody that has also worked in baseball in the past, so I'm excited to get his take on a lot of things, really, as far as sports goes and his interests. And um, I, it, I hope I hope you enjoy listening to this show. I'm excited to have have my guest on. So, without further ado, I'm going to uh, patch him in here and bring him on, and, and we'll get the show started and, and go from there. Ryan, are you there? Yeah, Corey, can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. So yeah, um, how about uh, before anything else, let's um, how about you say your name and where you're from and what your Twitter handle is so people can contact you if they're interested. Yeah, sure. Uh, so yeah, my name is Ryan Turnquist. Um, I live now in downtown St. Paul, um, originally from New London, Minnesota, a small town about two hours west of the Twin Cities. I went to New London Special High School. And on Twitter, you can find me at two underscore underscore canes with a V at the end. A little play on the, uh, on the rapper. Two canes is the Twitter, Twitter handle. <laughs> Cool. So, uh, where do you live in St. Paul? You don't have to give your exact address, but you said you live in downtown St. Paul. It's pretty neat. Yeah, uh, the uh, it's between downtown and uh, a lower town off Robert Street and Kellogg Boulevard. So. Well, yeah, you you probably so I work the building I work at is uh, the red brick building that is on the corner of Robert and Kellogg. I live Basically, right That's my day. That's where my yeah. day. Oh, that's pretty sweet. So uh, maybe we'll have to cross paths one of these days and, and say hello. Yeah, that's that's where I am 40 hours a week every every For week. For sure, that's it's pretty that's exciting. Funny. Yeah. <laughs> so that's cool. So uh, what brought you from uh, uh, New London? And you said two hours west. What what brought you from there? Uh, to have you did you always live in New London and then move to St. Paul? Did you live in other areas of the state or the world? Um, what got you from New London to where you are now? I guess. Yeah, so I, I did my undergrad. I went to college in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, at Augustine okay. University. Um, and then um, after after college, uh, interned out at the uh, Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York for the summer in 2015. Awesome. Yeah, okay. it was it was a, a dream come true. I was a public relations intern out there. Uh, following yeah. that, moved out to... Yeah. Uh, following that, moved out to uh, here in St. Paul where I was an intern uh, for the Wild. Uh, then lived in northeast Minneapolis uh, when, I, uh, when I worked a little bit for the Twins. Um, and then I, uh, I happened to meet my current... Uh, my girlfriend, when I lived uh, in St. Paul that first go-round, 
Um, and she loved this apartment building that we're in so much that we had to move back. So that's that's the little history of what got me moving around. Sure. Well, so I want to get started with that. I, I know you worked in sports, but I didn't know exactly what. How did you get connected to working, um, interning at the Hall of Fame? How how did that get, how was that process? Because that sounds incredible, uh, really. Yeah, complete dumb luck, to be honest with you. <laughs> I uh, I was uh, an usher for like a just a summer job. <clears throat> Stayed with some buddies in the city. My junior year, summer of my junior year of college, I worked as an usher for the Twins. Happened to meet a guy while I was there who was impressed enough uh, with me to kind of tell me about the the internship at the Hall of Fame, and he happened to know both the president and VP at the Hall of Fame, and he wrote me a letter of recommendation, and I applied. And uh, out of, I think it was 400 or so, uh, 400 or so applicants for that one internship, I was lucky enough to be like one of the 10 or 15 to get an interview, which was literally just a phone interview that I did from my dorm or, or from my uh, small house in Sioux Falls. It was about a 15, 20-minute phone interview at 8 in the morning. Um, I went to the bar. I went to the bar the night before. Don't do that. That wasn't smart. Um, <laughs> I was out. I was out with friends the night before, but I happened to. I remember I couldn't sleep. I woke up at like five in the morning and started preparing for the phone interview. And uh, sure. I had about a 15, 20, 15, 20 minute conversation with Craig Muter, who's uh, I believe still the director of communication at the Baseball Hall of Fame, and he uh, just so happened to choose me for the internship. So I got to go out there for. 10 weeks and live in the area and work at the baseball hall of fame every single day. Wow. So what, what was a day like for you? What was a work day for you? Like, um, at the hall <laughs> of fame, could, what, was there it, a normal day, yeah. like a way to describe that? Or what was that? What was that? What did that entail? Um, so there was, there was 19 interns. There was, I was the only public relations intern. Um, so we all kind of did, uh, different things. Me personally, I was actually my office uh, was on my desk. My office was right next to to Craig and uh, the guy above me, whose name is Matt Kelly, who now writes for MLB.com. Um, okay. So he he moved on from the Hall of Fame to MLB.com. It's kind of cool. We get to stay in touch. He wrote a lot about the Twins this year, so we get to stay in touch a little bit about the about the baseball season. Um, but my typical day, it was honestly, um, I had a list of assignments over the course of the over the course of the uh, internship that I was to get done, um, just a list of, like, little quick hit stories, almost like a gamer you would find, but they were retrospective okay. gamers about moments, but they were retrospective gamers about moments that had happened in history. Um, so I would, you know, re- I would get an, an assignment or whatever, like, I, like, I think one was Ricky Henderson's Major League debut, let's say. Um, okay. So I would get that. I would get that, and then I would uh, would research it, uh, go up to – they had a, you know, a huge library with all this information you could ever want, and research it <laughs> and uh, do a lot of that, and then use a lot of baseball reference and then recreate the story. In fact, you can actually – if you go on their website, I think it's the baseballhall.org, I think it is. If you go on their website and okay. my, type my name into the search bar, you should be able to find everything that I wrote, <laughs> which is pretty okay. cool. I may end up doing that. Maybe not right at this moment, yeah. but I may end up doing that. That's really cool. So you said it was a 10-week yeah. internship. Um, yeah. And at, 
that point, did you know you wanted to continue working in sports or what brought you at that point to come back to Minnesota to work for the wild? Or was there, was was there uh, looking at that point to find something other than the wild or oh, 10 weeks was over? Yeah. So it, it was, it was 10 weeks from uh, early June to what about mid August. We were there through the induction weekend, 2015. We worked the induction weekend. I got majorly sunburned. Um, didn't wear sunscreen because <laughs> I'm an idiot. Um, but, uh, so we all are, don't worry. Those, yeah. After those, uh, <laughs> 10 weeks or so, uh, came home, actually lived back in New London with my parents for two months. And over the course of those two months, applied for 70 jobs, all in the sports field, knew I wanted to work in the sports field. Uh, ultimately wanted, I knew I wanted to stay in Minnesota. Uh, kind of my homebody, love Minnesota, really, really love the state, <laughs> wanted to stay here, sure. wanted to stay here if I could, despite my better judgment with the weather. Um, <laughs> so uh, I ended up applying for, like I said, about 70 jobs and was lucky enough to land uh, an interview with the Minnesota Wild for, a, it was a seasonal internship uh, for, a, it would have been their 2016, 2015-2016 season. Uh, okay. And so... And so I was lucky to land that. And, you know, I had other kind of just like phone interviews here and there. I interviewed with the Vikings for something that didn't end up coming to pass. And uh, I was lucky enough to get the job with the Wild. And it was funny, I, right after uh, I got hired by the Wild, I got a phone call from uh, the Houston Astros. And they, oh. they had wanted to interview, they wanted to interview me for a, a sales spot there. And then I, I did a phone interview just kind of for kicks and giggles. Um, and they invited me down for an interview, but by that point, then I was I was with the Wild and committed there. So, uh, so sure. I've done that. I did I did that through May uh, of that year. So I think it was something like early November to late May. Um, so I was with them for a little while. Uh, loved it. One of the best experiences of my life. A lot of fun. Going from Cooperstown to the Wild was was phenomenal. Uh, my primary role there was to sell tickets. For, my primary role there was to sell tickets for the Stadium Series game, uh, which is sure. an outdoor game played at. Yeah, so if you remember that, that Blackhawks wild game at TCF yep, Bank in that whole weekend. I was at that game. It was pretty fun. Oh, you were? I was too. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, my uh, my whole job there was to essentially sell the tickets and then game day duties as well. So on a day where we'd have a game, we would it'd literally be, you know, a 13th. 13 hour day or so because you're at the office at 8 30 mm-hmm. and you you don't leave you're not leaving until oh shoot probably more than 13 hours you're not leaving until an hour after the game so it gets uh mm-hmm. it, it, it got to be long but i absolutely loved it uh after that i would have stayed there if i could there was no positions out for me but uh following that uh landed a job uh, pretty much about a week later um in, t- in ticket sales with the minnesota twins uh and inside sales cool um and did that did that for I suppose about three months, and uh, over the course of that time, it just something kind of was uh, kept creeping into my mind where you know I'm not enjoying this as much as I used to, and I didn't know if I wanted to make those sit you know and make eighty eighty to a hundred phone calls a day, and I kept sitting down thinking you know I can I might want to do something else. I think I want to do something that would you know at least in my mind make more of a impactful and, you know, sending them to a baseball game. Uh, uh, the mental health field has always been important to me. 
and education has always been important to me. And so I kind of kicked around those two things, trying to think what I want to do, what I, what I wanted to do. And then that winter, this, uh, not this January, so about a year ago, I guess, yeah, about a year ago, I went back to, to grad school. I'm getting my master's in school counseling now. Yeah, I, we will get to that. I really want to get to that. I just want to more time. Um, one question I had for you. So I, I worked for the St. Saint Paul Saints, and I worked for a baseball team in Massachusetts, too. And I know um, for people who are listening or people thinking about working in sports, it's absolutely um, amazing in many ways. But I know I had a – for me, I had a, a viewpoint of what I thought it would be like going in and then – some of the thoughts I had about what working in sports was like ended up being true. And some of them were not true at all. And I was just wondering if, if you going into working in sports were able to um, realize what you were hoping to find in it, or was it very different maybe than what your dreams or goals going into sports were after you realized what you were doing, it kind of sounded like you maybe were wanting out, out of it, I guess, but how, how was it different working for the twins than maybe you were anticipating or hoping it to be? Um, well, I think I think by the by the time I had ended with twins, it was more you know I had over a year of experience and I kind of got what I I wanted out of it and and you know I I was ready for a change. Uh, but going in first to working in sports, it was it kind of it was exactly what I anticipated. You know, it's a it's a lot of work. It's it's a lot of hours. It's not a lot of money, but it, I I felt like I was well prepared for it going in, and I had got what I was, I I got by and large what I had expected, um, out of it. I I just think by the end of it, at least my time with the twins, it was it was just time for me to move on. But like you said, it is, it's it's a lot of fun in a lot of ways. But I, for people who are thinking about going into it, it's it's certainly a grind, and uh, it's it's a lot of work, and it takes a lot of patience and a lot of um, a lot of grunt work, a lot of grinding to to get where you want to go. But it is, I, I would say, you know, every second I worked in sports, I don't. I worked in sports, I don't regret it one bit. It was, it was a heck of a fun ride. Sure, I I think I can kind of just. I I can't speak for your experience, just for my experience. I I don't know that I would change anything that I did working for for in sports either. But exactly what you say, it's not a lot of pay, and it is. A few hours, and I don't miss that to a certain extent, but um, I, it's very corporate and very business-like outside of when there are games and when there's planning for games and that sort of thing. And and that was different than maybe what I high school me of dreaming working in sports realized at the time. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, uh, for sure. Another one of the things is you know I you know you start at the bottom of the rung, and oftentimes to move up, you you might have to move out. You might have to, you know, bounce around locations, different states, different teams. And ultimately, uh, kind of like I alluded to before, I knew I wanted to stay in Minnesota. I didn't think that I was willing to to move out of the state to be able to to move up in jobs uh, or, you know, mm-hmm. climb the ladder. And and ultimately, that greatly limits the, uh, the number of positions available to you. Um, and it just came to a point where, you know, I was, I was ready to do something else. I had other interests, but wanted to explore something else. Sure. Well, yeah, you mentioned other interests and, and you're going back to school. Uh, 
in wanting to pursue those interests? What, 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 you are going to graduate school now for social work, I believe you said. Is that correct? Yep. Oh, well, it's it's not technically social work. It's it's uh, school counseling, so it's somewhat different okay. than social work. But it, it's, a, it's yeah. a master's in counseling with a school emphasis, yep. Okay, so why why is that your interest? What what are you wanting to pursue with with that with that goal in mind? Ultimately, when I sat down to think about uh, what I wanted to do professionally, one thing in kind of sports wasn't the answer. I like I said, I, I kept going back to well, I want to make a difference in in people's lives in some way. I started to think about uh, I started to think about. Uh, my background growing up, my mom was a special education teacher, and how much I thought I might enjoy working in a school, but how I also wanted to uh, do something related to kind of the mental health field. I wanted to be a refuge for uh, students or or kids who felt like they didn't have anywhere else to go or anyone to talk to. Um, and that kind of led me down this path. And so, uh, yeah, and the program I'm a part of is actually a distance program through the University of North Dakota, which it allows cool. me to, to live here and stay here and uh, go up to Grand Forks for two weeks in the summer and uh, otherwise have live webcam classes from my from my couch. So it's pretty cool, pretty flexible. Yeah, that sounds really great. How, how much longer do you have in your school program? Yeah, so I've been in it for about a year. Uh, have, uh, I have my official graduation date is May 2019, so I've got about a year and a half left. All right, cool. And are you looking into? I know you say you want to stay in Minnesota. Is it something that you want to um, stay in the metro area, stay in St. Paul, um, go back to New London area where where you grew up? Do you have a specific goal in mind of where you would like to be as far as um, with you with your with your degree at that point yeah i mean uh you know the girlfriend and i have talked about it we live together in st paul now and she's originally from woodbury um so we really we really like uh the twin cities area as well as the suburbs i think ultimately the goal uh you know starting out is just about you know i'll take i'll go you know where somebody where somebody you know wants to yeah right where the jobs are i'll take the job um but ultimately, I think the goal eventually for us, I, however, down the road, is I think we'd like to end up living and working somewhere in the suburbs. Yeah, That's cool. yeah. I, I grew up. I grew up in Cottage Grove. I know Woodbury very well. That's pretty. Oh, neat. sure, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, okay, so outside of this, the one question I've asked everyone on my podcast here so far is. Uh, why baseball? I, I guess I wanted to hear your answer on that. Why? Why was baseball a sport that you, uh, younger, you grew up to appreciate? Yeah, uh, and that's it, it's a good question because it's especially among you know I'm only 24, but among younger people these days, it's, it seems baseball is becoming less and less popular. Whether it's the pace or what it is, it's kids maybe perceive it as slow, but for me. Uh, I always loved it. Uh, went to been going to Twins games since I was four years old. My I remember my dad. I remember vividly my dad taking me when I was, you know, six or seven, and uh, just fell in love with it right away. Loved the game, and I think what really cemented it for me uh, when I was eight years old, at least what cemented my Twins fandom when I was eight years old. I uh, 
got to go down before a game. I, heck, I remember the exact date, but I got to go down before a game uh, against the Cincinnati Reds and sit in the Twins dugout for a while, meet with some players. I don't remember how it it took how, how it took place or everything that uh, that led to be getting there. But I got to go down the dugout, meet with some players. Um, remember sitting down talking. I remember vividly sitting down talking for 15 minutes with Corey Kofsky and then 15 minutes with Louis Reboss and uh, got to meet a bunch of the players, got to when I walked on the field and that was Dick Bramer who invited me up to the booth with him and Bert. Uh, I got to go up there in the third inning and at the end of it all got a bunch of autographs. At the end of it all, Louis Reboss, uh, before the game started, gave me one of his bats. Um, so that oh. that kind of, for, yeah, it was it was – it's still to this day one of the best days of my life, one of the one of the most fun days of my life. And that kind of cemented the twins fandom right there. And that was in two thousand one yeah. and then the next then the next year, you know, we had that the contraction talk and the improbable playoff mm-hmm. run and all the all the way from you know, Jack Jones hitting the leadoff homer in game one to Adam Kennedy breaking my heart. Um, so <laughs> all of us. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I've been a Twins fan, you know, since I was since I can remember, since I was a young guy, and uh, just always been a diehard baseball fan. Loved the mental aspects of it, loved the strategy of it, loved the the leisurely pace about the fact that you go to a game, you can, you know, talk to someone and have a beer, and you're outside in this beautiful weather for three hours, and it's just a blast. I've uh, I've always loved it. So as I got older, you know, I've gotten into the. Uh, become just a complete sports nerd in general, but uh, football and baseball probably my two biggest, depending on the season. Right now, I'm really focused on the Vikes, but uh, just, a, just a complete sports nerd, complete baseball nerd, the, you know, the farm system, the, I mean, farm system around baseball, but really, um, really everything about it, man. I'm, if you name it, I'm probably into it on some level. Yeah, and well, the, the day, the game that you're speaking of, um, I'd love to hear about the the date to look up. Do do you look up games like that that you have memories of in Baseball Reference? And you were mentioning you wrote for the Hall of Fame. Is that something you like writing articles about games you remember attending that sort of thing? You know, I've I've never done that, and in fact, or at least from the games that I've attended, that's that's interesting. I actually never even looked up that game. I can remember the exact date. I remember it was Rob School Bobblehead Night. I remember we were playing the Cincinnati Reds and Griffey was DHing and batting four. Um Okay. But but I I can remember all that. I, I but I can't tell you if we won or lost. I don't I never never looked up the score of the game. Um but I am I, I've always been really interested in the history, you know, of baseball and, and the, the players that came way before my time. Um, that's why I thought the Hall of Fame would be a really cool place to intern somewhere. I always wanted to go with my dad. So I've always been really interested in the history of the game. Uh, but but as far as those specific games that I maybe went to when I was way young, uh, no. In fact, I should go on Baseball Reference and look that one up. <laughs> yeah, I would think that pretty and that would be pretty great. And I, I guess I, I'm trying to think, like, when, when Interleague even started, like, I, I can't piece together that might have that must have been earlier end for when interleague play started unless it was I'm I'm trying to think why the twins would have been playing Cincinnati uh earlier than that. I know Interleague's been around for at least fifteen years, but I I thought it maybe it started in the nineties even, but I guess I I'm I'm 
not recalling when interleague became a thing. That must have been early on in the interleague process, I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, this was 2001. I think don't don't quote me on this. I think well, it's going to be in it's going to be in recorded history, so people are going to hear it anyway, right? But I think uh, um, interleague started. I want to say for some reason, 1997 comes to mind. So like, I think like sometime mid to late 90s is when they started experimenting with it. So I think definitely by sure. then, you know, the Reds must have been one of the interleague games at that point. And yeah, it was, uh, it was a heck of a memory for sure. Yeah, no, and and late nineties makes sense. So yeah, it still must have been fairly new in two thousand one. Um, let's see here. I I pulled up. It would have been right after July fourth in two thousand one that they played here. Let's see if I can find it. It wasn't the sixth. It was either oh, the sixth, seventh, or eighth. Eighth, huh. maybe yeah. Maybe the eighth. I Curious. thought it was the sixth. Well, now you're testing. Now you're testing. Well, you said Griffey. You said Griffey had a home run. You uh, said Griffey had a home run, so I can tell you that it wasn't no. the sixth. Oh no, no! I said he. I think. I think I said he was DHing and batting fourth. I don't know about the fourth thing, but I think he oh. DHed. But he didn't hit a home okay. run. I don't believe. Okay. Then I heard you wrong. Then it could have been the sixth. We'll go with the sixth. The Twins won that left. day five to four. Yeah. Who started? The Twins won that day five to four. Um, let's see here. Johan started. Really? Did not have a great game for himself. That was early on in Johan starting, too. In 2001, like, huh? How about you know, that? Yeah. Johan started against Chris Rietzma. And uh, LaTroy Hawkins got the save that day with Eddie Guardado getting the win. In, I do in remember early. vividly I was I do remember vividly I was also at the game where LaTroy Hawkins got ejected from the bullpen because he wouldn't move his chair. And I remember <laughs> having ab- having absolutely no idea what happened all I did, but suddenly LaTroy Hawkins was ejected from the game. Sure. Well, he he got the save in this one, so I don't, I don't know if that's the same one, but he he pitched and threw a perfect inning, I guess. So there you that's go. a good thing. But yeah, now a special assistant. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty. He is much bigger in real life than I I anticipate uh, a coach being. I guess you could say. <laughs> but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess cool. I mean, I've, I've never I've never met him or crossed paths with him personally, but I really liked his. Uh, his analyst work on FSN when he did, you know, a few series. I thought he was pretty good. Yeah, no doubt. He was fun to he was fun to listen to last year, and hopefully that continues going forward. <clears throat> For sure. But yeah, I, I have I have a few other questions I I have ready to go if that if that works. I yeah, don't, let's, I don't know how yeah, you're doing do for time wise. But... I've got all the time in the world. I know. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm ready to go. Whatever. I'm here for two hours. If you sure. Need. Ideal. All right. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, um, I wanted to ask. What was it here? Um. Sorry, but I'm I'm trying to read my chicken scratch, and I can't read it all that well. Well, okay. So, (laughs) other other than twins, other than twins players, um. And you mentioned football is one of your favorites too. And yes, the Vikings are doing yeah. very well, Alien. That's been fun to watch. But what um, other than Twins players growing up, uh, did you have favorite players across sports that you tried to 
um, emulate or or throw like or or be like because of your enjoyment of them? Oh uh, yeah, they don't know. One of these isn't going to hold up as well. And they both might not. Baseball wise, yeah, it was Gricky um, and yeah. uh, Vladimir Guerrero. I really like really like Vladimir Guerrero a lot. So those two in baseball are the ones that come to mind. Obviously, Johan on the mound, fun on left-handed. Mm-hmm. So uh, that makes sense. Uh, Football-wise, I remember I was, gosh, I would have been six or seven. We were up at our farm and we were watching a football game, college football game on one of the one of the channels we had up there, one of the like three channels. And there was a quarterback sure. from Virginia Tech running running around everywhere, yeah. making everybody miss. And it was a lot of fun. So <laughs> I I immediately at that point fell in love with Michael Vick. Uh, growing up was one of my favorite athletes until kind of the fall from grace, obviously. But I, I just I loved him. He was just phenomenal to watch. Uh, and then in basketball, it was it was Kevin Garnett, obviously being a Wolves fan. Uh, and Allen Iverson would have been the other one. Yeah, Michael Vick, I, I still feel like is probably the greatest Madden player of all time. I, I can't think <laughs> of anybody that was more dominant than he was. But yeah, good good choices across the board. Especially, I, I still have a theory, and I've mentioned it in other shows too, that um, the greatest player or players of every sport played the game when the person you're talking to was between 12 and 16 years old, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's my theory. That's probably I a... people say that theory, but um, I, it kind of shows through, but I, even then, like I was, I was 14 when Garnett was drafted. I'm a, few, a couple of years old. I'm, I'm 36 now. So I'm a few years older than you, but uh, it's hard to argue that Garnett is not the greatest player that's, that's played basketball in the state of Minnesota in, in my lifetime. I don't know that anybody would really easily argue that. Although Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler looks pretty good lately, to be honest. Yeah. Well, not, no doubt about it. I would say the same thing. Jimmy Butler might be number two at this point. That dude is, that dude's phenomenal. <laughs> they're on right now. They're losing. If you're wondering, they're getting stomped by the Rockets. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, they've been fun to watch. They've been fun to watch following the twins here this off season coming off the uh the season that they have, that's been a lot of fun, although the off season's been painfully slow. Um and then obviously the Vikes just having this dream of a season. Uh it's been a it's been a fun uh fun time for me to be a Minnesota sports fan, that's for sure. Yeah, and, and the Vikings we I don't want to get into it too much because this is more of a baseball show, but um man that, that ending was um really incredible last week. I don't I don't know that I can compare it to anything else I've seen um really ever in sport. I don't I don't know what to compare it to. It's it the NFL statistics Twitter site said that that's the first playoff game ever to end with a touchdown when the clock hit zero as it was happening. And that's just like you don't see that. So that to me that was really incredible to watch and I I'm sure if I had had video going of my reaction, it would have been pretty interesting to watch compared to some of the other videos that are out there now for other people's reaction know, to the end of the game. It's funny. Uh, my girlfriend said she wished she had taped my reaction. Uh, <laughs> I don't. I don't remember much. I just kind of blacked out. Uh, I yeah. remember at least she, 
she tells me that I was saying, oh, my God, oh, my God, with another choice word that I probably shouldn't say on this podcast <laughs> in there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I, you know, I was prepared for defeat. I had braced for defeat. Um, and it was it was remarkable. I'm still, honestly, it's, what, four days later, it's Thursday night. I'm still kind of on a high from it. Um, and whatever happens mm-hmm. from here, obviously, I want them to win on Sunday. But whatever happens from here, I won't. I won't ever forget where I was in that moment. I won't ever forget how I felt during that moment. Um, and it's something that, you know, I'll probably tell my kids and grandkids about. So, I mean, that's why you watch sports, mm-hmm. right? So if they win the Super Bowl or not or whatever it is, um, this season will certainly have been memorable just for that. So so pretty great. Uh, regarding the title of your podcast, though, we can just call this Sports Are Good for, for tonight. <laughs> yeah, we can change it for tonight. To that. That's just fine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good with that. Well, yeah, so oh. one of the other topics <laughs> I wanted to bring up um, outside of football, and I, I, I could talk about that more, but um, you mentioned the baseball offseason being painfully slow, and I've seen a few opinions online about why it is painfully slow, and I wanted to just ask you if you are if you have general thoughts on why the overall baseball offseason as far as signing and training players is as slow as it is compared to other years. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, let's talk baseball. That's what we're here for. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, Why not? My, uh, <laughs> my, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know. I read something today that uh, a lot of teams maybe aren't attempting to be as competitive, whether you want to call that tanking or what it is. I also just think that uh, teams are kind of wising up to, to giving up these big, long deals to free agents. And as a result, you're almost seeing players wait longer and longer trying to get, get the right deal. And you're kind of seeing almost the middle class be squeezed out a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And so the middle class agents be squeezed out a little bit. Now, whether that's the right take or not, I don't know on my part. I, I've not plugged in enough to, to say that that's right or not. All I know is it's, I usually love the winter meetings. I can't wait for the winter meetings, and like nothing happens mm-hmm. during the winter meetings, and it's just. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I guess I'll just have to wait. Well, we're a month later. We're in the middle of January, and it feels like nothing. Even though you know there's a few bombshell things here and there, it feels like nothing's happened because it's so spaced out. Mhm. Yeah, so, and then it's been driving me nuts. You're right. Then even. <laughs> I agree. Like I. I usually the bigger name guys have signed um, around the winter meetings or within a week or two after that. And it's so unique this year that the, the bigger name free agents you could argue aren't the Bryce Harper's, the Manny Machado's, the Clayton Kershaw's that will be free agents next year. So that may play a part in this off season, but the bigger name guys typically by this point would have signed and would have signed for, five, six, seven, eight years, and maybe that is what you said. Maybe some, maybe the demand for teams isn't there because there are a number of teams that don't want to compete for those players, and then the teams that do want those players are looking around and saying, well, why would I, why would I bid against myself? Why would, I, why would the Twins or the Yankees or the Cubs bid against themselves for one player and give an extra two years when – no one else is going to give more than four years. Like that may be where we're at in this scenario. Yeah. So I mean, I'll put it this way and I don't have, I don't know if this is, uh, this is true or not. I'm speculating, 
But I think if, let's say, you Darvish, for instance, had a six-yard deal on the table, he'd be with that team right now. Right. Like, I don't, th- I don't, think, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's offered him the sixth year. Or if they have, it's probably at a diminished average annual value as opposed to what mm-hmm. you might get on a five-year deal. Like, for instance, I know I've heard that the Twins are comfortable going to four years on them. They'll give them a four-year deal right now. But six gives them pause, and it should. Six years is a long time, especially at a, mm-hmm. at a, hefty, a hefty salary. Um, and I just think you're seeing that more and more uh, around baseball. And I think, as you alluded to, I was going to bring this up as well, as you alluded to, uh, the, the big class, the big free agent class the next year, I think a lot of your big market teams uh, are holding out so they can, can play in that game, um, get a seat at that table, so to speak. Um, so I think I think that plays a role in it, but that's another reason why I think the Twins and New Darvish are the perfect match, and I think they should strike because this we're not in this position often to to get you know a big name free agent starter like this, and because a lot of the mm-hmm. bigger market teams are either strapped financially or maybe they're waiting it out next year's class, it seems like the right opportunity. Sure, and and we can talk about the twins. I, I plan to talk about the twins again in a minute, but I some of the other free agents we can talk about, like like an Eric Hosmer or Lorenzo Cain or Mike Moustakas of the Royals or J.D. Martinez, form, formerly of the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. They are players that are already near 30, and, and in past years, let's say it was 2005, these guys would have signed for six, seven, eight years, and teams just, I think, don't want to give out contracts to guys that are that long that are already at age 30. I mean, I can hear the argument, too, on why teams don't want to pay for the years of a player that the player is arguably maybe past their prime already, and that's something that I can see why ownership and teams would want to start to gravitate away from that. Yeah, no, I agree. And you look at a lot of those, well, let's say seven to 10 year deals that have been handed out. A lot of them don't end up working out. You think about the Yankees getting a rod 10, 10 years, 300 million, and mm-hmm. then having to eat uh, the, you know, back half bitter. The big Vernon Wells deal, or you know, I know even Reds fans have him and Hot over the big Joey Votto deal. So a lot of times those mm-hmm. don't end up working out for teams. I would say eighty percent of them don't work out. And I think teams, you know, teams are smart. They're not, they're not blind to that. And I think they're starting to wise up. Well, why would we pay, you know, Eric Hosmer? $25 million for his age 36 season. I don't want to do that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then Eric Hosmer, the reason he hasn't signed yet is saying, well, if I was 28 years old in 2005, I would have already gotten this deal. So, like, why Why is it? Like, I can see why players aren't happy with, with the changing tide of this or the changing economic field of this, but it kind of maybe is what it is. I don't I don't know how to explain it better than that. Yeah, I mean, I can see them being upset, but in my mind, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you get what you get, right? I mean, if you mm-hmm. were if you were Kirby Puckett in 1994, you're going to get $5 million a year. I mean, obviously, adjusted mm-hmm. for inflation, but it's, it's so, I mean, that, I mean, it can cut both ways. 
So, I mean, it's just kind of one of those things where, I don't know, maybe this is just going to be the new norm in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it could be that, or I think it's after 2019 that the collective bargaining agreement is up again. And, and I, I, I can see changes coming to how many years a team has ownership, I guess, of, of rookie level players and second, third year players. I could see that being an, a real argument at that point because teams maybe don't want to pay premium for 32 year old, 33 year old players. They would rather pay premium for 24 year old players and, and, 24-year-old players are like, yeah, let's 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 make that happen. And 35-year-old players are maybe not all for that right now, but we'll we'll see what happens at that point. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it would be if there was an adjustment to you know the the six years of team control, um, you know the three the three minimum years with the little bump and then the three arbitration years. If there were an adjustment to that. I think by and large it would be a tremendous benefit to the players just because you're hitting free agency earlier you're, instead of, you know, hitting mm-hmm. free agency at, at probably 28 at your earliest, but maybe 28 to 30, um, you're, you know, you're hitting at maybe 26 to 28 and you're getting paid more, you know? Sure. So I think, I think that, I think that would be a tremendous benefit to the players. Now, obviously you're going to have uh, another side arguing that against that and we'll see what kind of compromise they can come to, but, Certainly going to be interesting to follow here over the next couple of years. Yeah. So yeah, you you mentioned it a little bit, and I'm I'm with you on the on the thought process on how um, you Darvish will, will will I'll just say will look really good when he signs um, in a <laughs> Twins uniform. He'll look really good this, this next year in a Twins uniform. But what what would he bring? Uh, to the twins that you think maybe a different free agent or a different acquisition, um, what what kind of upgrade would he be in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, so the thing that uh, sets you Darvish apart for me is his ability to strike batters out uh, over the course of his career has has consistently finished in the upper echelon of strikeouts and K per nine when he's healthy. Uh, he has the type of strikeout stuff that the twins have not seen since they traded away Johan Santana um, prior to that, probably for fly 11. So um, it's, uh, that, that alone makes him incredibly intriguing. And the fact that, uh, you know, um, even though Urban Santana pitched well last year, I wouldn't necessarily wouldn't call him a true ace by any means. He doesn't use a solid number two on a good team, Maybe even a really, really good number three on a good team. Um, and, we don't have a true ace, and I, you, Darvish, uh, regardless of what you think of his two World Series appearances, when he's right, when he's healthy, is a true ace. Probably one of the best. I said on Brandon's podcast, 15, but maybe 20 pitchers in baseball. Uh, maybe one of the best 20 pitchers in baseball. So you have a chance to go get that guy um, under unusual circumstances where a lot of big players might be out on him. Um, and he's actually interested in coming here with the connection with Dad Levine. Um, he can kind of strike while the iron's hot. Sure, and and you said you've heard the Twins have. I, I think obviously they've been comfortable giving four years to basically any player or pitcher, bigger name especially. Right. But um, you you have not heard that the Twins would be comfortable giving more than four years. Like to me, Darvish 
on a five-year deal, he's even still a pretty safe bet since he's only he's going to be 31. No, sorry, he is 31. He'll be 32 next August. Like to me, on a even a five-year deal, you could argue the next three or four years probably are going to be pretty solid depending on health. Yeah, um, no, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm sure I'm sure they'd go five. I, I mean, I have no sources on that. I'm just going off. I think I heard one of Doogie's podcasts. He said they give them a four-year deal right now, and six gives them pause. I'm sure they'd go to five. Uh, I mean, sure. I'm sure a number of teams will go to five. But like I said, if I think if you Darvish had a six-year offer out there, he'd probably be on a team right now. Um, and maybe, maybe not. I, I'm you know I'm purely speculating. I certainly would go five to him. Heck, I would give him the sixth year because I mean that's I I think that's paying for what is age thirty seventies or whatever it may be or if it's maybe it's the vesting sixth year I don't know but if that's what gets it here if that's what gets it done um, as opposed to those other teams and I can get three or four really good years of you Darvish I'll do it you know sure well um, my follow up to this is let's say for whatever reason you Darvish signs with a different team than the Twins, which very well could happen. What would your backup choice be as far as who would you target at that point? Uh, second choice there would probably be, I mean, if we're talking free agent market, because I love Chris Archer, but I don't think the uh, <laughs> Rays are moving him. Um, I'll, uh, if, it, if we're talking free agent market, guys that are out there, my second choice would be Alex Cobb. Um, like Alex Cobb, I don't think he would. Now, I'm not paying him the $19 million that he was reportedly asking for, whatever that figure is. But if you can get him for a reasonable price, I mean, I would go four sixty-five, seventy-five on him. He'd probably be my second choice. Um, and then if their contracts were equal, I would prefer Jake Arrieta to Lance Lynn. However, I don't think their contracts will be equal. So with that in mind, I think I would prefer Lance Lynn to Arietta because uh, I think Arietta is going to command something probably in the 19 to $22 million a year range, where Lance Lynn is probably more than 13 to $15 million a year range. Yeah, sure. And and I'm kind of with you where Cobb is my second favorite choice, and it's with a bullet. Like, I, I like Darvish and then Cobb, and then there's a pretty steep drop-off to area and Lynn. But I, I was looking at um, Lynn's pitch, uh, pitch selection choices over the last few years and and Lynn in 2013-2014 threw way more curveballs, way more change-ups and way less fastballs than he has over the last couple years and that's probably due to the fact that he was coming back from Tommy John last year but last year he threw over 80% fastballs and I think that played a part in why he had the ERA and FIP that he did uh, with the Cardinals so I, I think if scouts were coming in with Lynn saying um, maybe throw your fastball 65, 70% of the time and throw your curveball and slider about the same percentage and your change up more than 1% or 2% of the time that you did last year, the result might be that he's closer to the pitcher that he was in 2013, 2014. But outside of that, I... I um, Cobb would be my second choice, and I don't think it would be even really close over Arietta and Lynn. That, that's where I'm kind of standing. Yeah, I think. I mean, I think the second year Tommy after Tommy John bump is real, so I think he's going to have a better year. Probably 
become more comfortable using his braking and off-speed stuff more than he might have last year. Uh, I just think there's more upside now, Kyle, especially he's healthy. I know he hasn't consistently thrown. I think he's never thrown more than 190. I mean, he's never gotten mm-hmm. 190, something like that. I mean, but I, I, I like... I like his stuff. I like his ability to get grounders. His changeup, by all accounts, is, you know, a wonderful pitch. And so, I, yeah, I think he probably has the most upside. Um, ultimately, I think I still get the feeling he ends up with the Cubs uh, just because of the Joe Madden-Jim Hickey connection. Um, and so I guess that would mean I don't think Darvish ends up with the Cubs. I, uh, but regardless of where Dar- Darvish might end up, I don't know. Maybe it's here. I still think it's rather a rather long shot. It's here just to the Twins have never made a, a signing like that before, and uh, ultimately it's usually, you know, the bigger markets that are in on these guys. And so uh, history is not on our side in this case necessarily, um, but maybe, <laughs> no. who knows, maybe this is maybe this is the time. <laughs> sure, and I have to think coming off of a play it – it was a playoff appearance, even though it was a game play and game loss at New York, but – uh, coming up a playoff appearance and seeing that at least for the next couple of years, the AL Central is going to be Cleveland and then Minnesota and then uh, three teams that aren't going to be competitive, at least for the next couple of years. Right now might be the time to make a splash like a Darvish or, or a Cobb or somebody like that that can really help stabilize the rotation until some of the prospects in the minor leagues like like you were saying can be ready to hopefully flourish. Yeah, and I, I agree with you there completely, and I also don't think we're that far away from Cleveland, especially the loss of Carlos Santana, mm-hmm. the loss of Jay Bruce, the offseason, they lost Brian Shaw. So they, they lost mm-hmm. these pieces. I don't think we're all that far away from Cleveland. Um, they're, certainly not a, sure. they're certainly not their team from their 22-game win streak, and when we played them in the division, we played them rather well. So uh, mm-hmm. I I don't think we're that far away. And I think, you know, the one hole missing on our roster is a, a true ace. And I think that's what you Darvish is. So that's why I'm so intrigued there. I'd also keep exploring the trade market. I would have thought there would be more trade done by now. Uh, Brett, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, I kept hearing that we were interested in more, uh, maybe more active on the trade market than free agent wise. Um, uh, but Save for you know the Stanton deal and the Pirates fire sale, there hasn't been all that much activity altogether in Major League Baseball. No, not at all. And I, I guess the last question I have, um, well, maybe the last question I have for the Twins specifically are, if they were to sign uh, a starter, we'll say Darvish or Cobb, but maybe Lynn. I, I don't, I don't see Arietta being connected here, but um, no. let's say they sign a starter, would that be for you, would that be the end of the non-minor league signings for the year, or would you think they would acquire somebody else, like another another bat potentially? I'd pro- I mean, I'd probably be done. The only bat that I think they've been connected to that you might end up seeing that happen is Mike Napoli. Um, I I could see that happening, but you know, if they if they make that big free agent pitcher signing, I can imagine that'll probably be it. And that's. Not for not, not for nothing. That's a pretty damn good off season. If you're talking about free mm-hmm. agent starter, a uh, Michael Pineda flyer that I really like that contract. Uh, Fernando mm-hmm. Rodney in the bullpen, Zach Duke in the bullpen, and then Addison Reed the other day falling into our lap on a great deal. Yeah, um, that was exciting. Uh, I, I 
I think that's a heck of an off season. If they don't get Darvish and they still get one of these starters, if it's a winner or a cop, I think that's a pretty darn good off season. If if it's Darvish, then it's a 500 foot home run. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Agreed. And and yeah, I'm kind of with you on Napoli. If if Vargas isn't going to be the player that some people want him to be, which I don't know that he is. Um, Napoli could be the guy that could maybe, once he's had surgery, maybe just face lefties and, and hopefully have a good twilight last year of his, of his career. But um, I'd love another, like the Pineda signing was so creative because you know he's going to be available next year after he's rehabbed. I'd love another, like if they could get a Trevor Rosenthal and do something along those lines for next year, I'd be good with that too. But for 2018, I'm with you, and a, a starter, a, a playoff-level starter for the Twins to go with Barrios and Santana would be a home run, really, for, for this twin team. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm never opposed to I'm never opposed to the Flyers. You never know what happened. Trevor Rosenthal, what, three years ago, was an effective closer in this league. And, uh, you know, the Flyers have worked out for the Twins before. Heck, the Robbie Grossman waiver claim has been tremendous about all the return on the investment there. So, um, mm-hmm. you, you, I mean, you never know those things. So I think, you know, they, Derek Salve has used this phrase in the past, but they explore every avenue to get better, right? So that's just another one of the avenues. Um, and I think, but I think, yeah, ultimately the the, the uh, front line starter, or at least a, a confident, uh, you know, front half of the rotation starter is, is definitely on the shopping list, on the wish list. So hopefully sooner than later they can get something done. Maybe even this is wishful thinking, but the next couple of days before the winter meltdown here, we could have something to talk about. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love that. You, are you attending the winter meltdown or Twins Fest this weekend? Yeah, uh, so I've never done Twins Fest. Um, st- I'm not going this year, uh, but I am for the first time going to do the winter meltdown. So I'm really looking forward to that. Awesome. Yeah, I'll be there too. It'll be fun to say hello. And um, I've never been to the Winter Meltdown either. I, I went to Twins Fest last year. And before that, I I know the last time I went to Twins Fest was when the Dome was still a living and breathing location. But um, okay, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to attend. I'm, I'm going with my dad and a cousin of mine who are uh, big baseball fans and just get out and <laughs> get away from, I love my kids, but get away from them for a little bit and and meet some people and say hello. Say so, yeah, it'll be a good time. Let me let me know when you're there and we can say hi. Yeah, sounds good. We'll have to we'll have to get together there. It should be a lot of fun this weekend. I'm going with a buddy of mine, and we'll uh, we'll have the winter meltdown on Saturday, and then the Vikes are gonna hopefully uh, head to the head to the Super Bowl sometime late Sunday night. So it'll be uh, it'll be a fun weekend. Sure. Yeah. No doubt. All right. Uh, before we end here, I, I, I just wanted to thank you again for coming on this this hour. Went really quickly, but um, one last time, if you could give your name and your and your Twitter handle or any other information you'd want to give as far as um, social media for people c- to connect with you if they have questions or, or want to talk to you about anything. Yeah. Uh, so again, uh, name's Ryan Turnquist on Twitter. It's the number two with a couple underscores and Kane C A N E Z. Um, but yeah, if, if I can get the baseball good follower bump, that'd be wonderful. Um, but hey, uh, Corey, thanks for having me on, man. This has been a lot of fun. If you ever want me to come back on, assuming I did an okay job or need me to come back on, give me a give me a holler. We can do this again.
Yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to. Like the so really I started this show in a lot of ways just to be able to have the chance to get away from reality a little bit and, and meet other people and talk about baseball because um kids and work and life get away get in the way of having fun, I think in a lot of ways. So baseball helps yeah, baseball talking about it uh, helps helps me get through a lot of things, but yeah, I appreciate it. I, I would love to chat again. It was really a fun time. So thank you for you allowing your time on here. It was really, I, I appreciated it. So yeah. Awesome. Sounds good, man. Hey, we'll see you this weekend. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Text me or, or let me know when you're around and I'd love to say hello and, and uh, put a face to a name. It'd be great. Sounds good, bud. Hey, uh, go Twins and Skull Vikings and have a good night. Yeah, you too. Everybody, this is uh, one last time baseball, or I guess uh, we said tonight is sports is good, but tonight, (laughs) otherwise baseball (laughs) is good, and I hope everyone has a good evening.